Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. The last several weeks, we've been, Pastor Chris and I, leading you on a journey on how to live a life that God intended for you. John 10, 10, the message translation says, a better life than you ever dreamed of. That's God's design. But in order for that to happen, you have to walk through steps. We began by talking the first week, Pastor Chris talked to you about the peace of the Spirit. Peace is a spiritual commodity. Either you get it in Prozac or you get it in your spirit. It is only a spiritual commodity. And then we talked about being sealed with the Spirit. Pastor Chris talked to you about that. Say that with me, sealed. Let me explain that. The moment you go and you receive Christ, you become born again. Say that with me, born again. Okay, you've heard me say this at the end of every service. My birthday's June the 17th, which, by the way, I say that all the time, and there's a reason. I want you to be prepared. My birthday's June the 17th, but, but I always say my spiritual birthday's the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a chemistry lab in my junior high school. That day, Jacob died, the old Jacob, who was spiritually dead, and I became spiritually alive. And I talked to you about how each one of us are three parts, that God created all of us, which ironically, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's three parts, and we are three parts as well. First, we are created in the image of God, who is a spirit. God is a spirit. So I am a spirit. I have a soul. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions my mind, will, and emotions, and I live in my body. So I am a? Okay, let me just try that one more time. Come on now. Okay, I am a? Creating the image of God. I have a? My mind, will, and emotions, and I live in my? Now, every one of us, as we grew up, we grew up spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And when I live my life in the flesh, what the Bible calls the carnal man, then all that rules me is my mind, will, and emotions in my body. And most often, this is how I live. I live filled with stress. I live filled with anxiety. But when I become born again, I become spiritually alive. And from that moment on, there is a battle every day of my life. Am I going to be led by my flesh or am I going to be led by my? And that's the battle. Now, when we talk about being sealed with the Spirit, let me explain this. The moment you were born again, you became a blood-washed child of God. Period. Period. Many of you grew up with the mentality of believing that, that, that when you died, you were going to stand before God, and there was going to be this big scale in the sky. And you were going to stand before St. Peter in the pearly gates, and if the good you did outweighed the bad, 
then heaven's gates was open up and mama and papa would be there and all the angels would sing and you'd have a big boucherie. But if the bad outweighed the good, then all of a sudden a trap door would open and you'd start falling endlessly into hell and queen would start singing, another one bites the dust, ha, 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 and it would be over. But look at me. You can't earn salvation. Let's say that again. You can't earn salvation. If you could earn it, Jesus never would have had to die on the cross. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift. Say that with me, a gift. A gift from God. You don't earn a gift. So, God has, once you're born again, God has good children and wise children, and then he has the rest of y'all. He has foolish children. You don't instantly not become a child of God if you fall into here, which is the flesh pattern. Now, let me just talk about that a moment. All of us have family of origin flesh patterns. How many of you came from families, don't raise your hand, where there were alcoholics, workaholics? Okay, depression rules your family. Okay, fear rules your family. Anxiety rules your family. Those are flesh patterns. Look, look at me. How many of you have ever had your front end out of alignment? If you drive in Lafayette, that could happen on any street. Okay, because what happens is when your car's out of alignment, it pulls a direction. Just you let the wheel go and it'll instantly pull that way. All of us have a fallen flesh pattern. And that is if I'm not intentional about being led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit of God, then I drift towards these old habits. Am I the only one? Or do you sometimes struggle with old habits that you thought were gone? Okay, no pointing at other people. Just this is a question for you personally. So that's what your flesh pattern is. So as a child of God, once I'm born again, I have to decide every single day. Many years ago, I was going through a difficult time, and, and I was a young Christian. I was living in my mother's bar, serving beer every day when I came home from school. I was about 15 years old, and my mom was on me. My dad was on me. My dad told me I was being brainwashed. My mother told me she liked me better when I was on drugs. It was just a mess. And, and I, I sat down with my, my pastor one day and I said, Pastor, I, I thought when I became a Christian, everything was supposed to get better. My mother is upset with me and, and my father says I'm being brainwashed. Anybody ever had those experiences? And he said something to me I never, ever forgot and it was over 45 years ago. Here's what he said. He said, Jacob, there's two plans for your life. And here's what he said. God is voting for you, and the devil's voting against you, but your vote breaks the tie. What does that mean? 
That means that every day, even after I become a born-again Christian and I'm sealed with the Spirit as a child of God, I can sometimes, if I give in to my old flesh patterns, I can become like all the arrangements before me, my old flesh patterns of my family. But if I will surrender the Spirit of God and feed myself and I will renew my soul, my mind, will, and emotions with the Word of God, then I can be like the Father who created me, not the Father I was born to. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are real sure you do not want to be like your parents? Yeah. Let me ask you another question. How many of you would like to have a marriage just like your parents? Raise your hand. One, two, three. Keep it high. Keep it high. I want to say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, twenty. Okay, about twenty-five people. Let me just say this. You need to thank God every day. You are a rare breed, and your parents were a gift from God to you. The rest of us, we're working on the rest of that. So once I am a born-again child of God, it then begins to be a challenge of how I will walk with it. The, the faith that I have in my life must affect my heart, it must affect my head, and it must affect the way I talk, my mouth. The passage we want to start with today is Matthew chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, I used this last week, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? And so they said, some said that you're John the Baptist who's come back from the dead or Elijah who came back from the dead, or Jeremiah, one of the old prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Can I say something to you? It's really important that you surround yourself with people that know who you are. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Even those closest to Jesus needed a revelation from God to discover who he was and confess it. You're the Christ. Do you know what that tells me? That means if those closest to Jesus needed a revelation to know who he was, you need a revelation from God to know who you are in Christ to know who you are. Have you ever wondered why words are so powerful? Proverbs 18, 21 says, the power of life and death are in the tongue. The tongue. How many of you have ever heard this? Sticks and stones will break my but You know why that's a child's rhyme? Because adults know it's not true. Because many of us are sitting here today and we have word wounds in our life. They were spoken over us long, long, long time ago and they still affect our identity, our attitudes, our insecurities. It still affects who we are. Why are words so powerful? Why are words so powerful? Genesis 1-3 says this, Then God said, Let there be, and there was, Genesis 1, 6, then God said, let there be a furnace in the midst of the water and let it divide the waters, and it did. Genesis 1, 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear, and it was, do you get it? Everything God spoke became. 
Everything God spoke, it became what he spoke. Now watch this. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into the nostrils the breath of the spirit of life, and man became a living being. Do you know that's the greatest proof in existence of God? If you really want to be entertained sometime, I want you to go and look up a video by an economist and a comedian named Ben Stein. How many of you have ever heard of Ben Stein? Ben Stein is a Jewish economist and comedian. And about four or five years ago, he did a video. And in this movie, he went and interviewed the greatest scientific minds in the world. He went to Cambridge. He went to Oxford. He went to Harvard. He went to Cornell University. He goes through all the greatest thinking universities, the geniuses. And he asked them one question. You know what the question was? Where did the first living cell come from? That's all he asked. And then he videoed and taped their answer. You should have heard the answers. We would have got better answers from the kindergartners in children's church today. You, you know what the main consensus was? Outer space. Aliens. Those were the two main consensus. Why? Because all we actually are is dirt that God breathed in. And I don't know if you've ever been with someone when they passed. I've been with many. And the same God that went and made them alive, you'll watch them and he'll just go. And they're gone. And all that's left there is the shell we call their body. Why, why are you telling us this, Pastor? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all Scripture is what? God. Whew, I just got the chills. I just got the frissons. Do you know what that means? God, this is so good. It means that every time you read this book, God breathes on you. He breathes on the way you think. He breathes on old fears. He breathes on old habit patterns. Every time you read this book, it recreates and transforms your mind. It feeds your spirit. Why? Because these words are God-breathed, and you were God-breathed when he created you. Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture? We were created in the image of God, and just like his words have created power, our words have created power. All the world you see around you was created by the spoken word. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. Can I tell you the truth, how you know this is true? Every one of your worlds were created by somebody's words. Every one of you here that are good at something that you get paid for, you know what happened? Somebody went, you are good. Man, you're good at math. And you became an accountant. Man, man you're really smart at helping. You are to be a nurse. And you became a nurse. You're, you're, good, you're good at football. And you became a football player. 
Someone spoke, our lives and choices came into agreement with what they said, and we ultimately became every one of our words. That's the good part. Now let me tell you the bad part. Some of you grew up with words like this. You're terrible. How could you be so stupid? You're just like your father. Your mom and them were just like you. That's all those Boudreaux's. All those Boudreaux's are like that. And if you're Boudreaux's, I'm sorry. I, that applies to the Thibodeau's too. <laughs> all of these things. And do you know what happened while those people were saying? They were framing your world. And with that came your fears and your insecurities and flesh patterns that you have lived with all of your life. So who created the world that you live in personally. John 4, 24 says this, God is a spirit and only the power of his spirit can people worship him as he really is. John 6, 63 says, what gives life is God's what? Spirit. Human power is of no use at all. The words that I speak to you though bring God's life-giving spirit do you see? We're created in the image of God. He's spirit. His words are spirit. His words are powerful. And your words are powerful too. Your words are powerful too. So what do we do, pastor, with all of these truths? So many of our greatest pleasures and our greatest pains come from words that have been spoken to us, over us, or about us. I, I know what you're thinking. But, but pastor, I, I grew up in the way I grew up. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that were said to me. I, 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 I wouldn't want to be anything like that. I want to help you. I want to help you. Most of you have heard my story. I won't bore you with the details, but my daddy was married five times, and my mother was married two times. The man she married, my daddy had been married seven times. I got four sisters that were pregnant, 13, 14, and 15. My older brother was a drug dealer. He was my hero. It suffices to say I was a mess. How many of you, you already feel better about yourself? Okay. It, that, just imagine with all of that being spoken over me. And, and you know what? I had to come to Revelation. I was about 30 years old. I had a couple of children. And I used to think by the way that I was raised that my parents didn't love me. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever feel that way? I used to think my parents didn't love me. But as an adult, I began to hear their story from an adult perspective. My parents got married when my daddy was 16 years old. They had six children, almost back to back. It's a miracle they stayed married 20 years. You know what the truth is? Look right here. It wasn't, not that they didn't love me. They didn't know how to love themselves. How in the world could they know how to love me? And do you know what? It gave me a compassion for them. It gave me a new compassion for them, realizing that they did their best. <laughs> They just didn't have much best to do. Maybe that's for you today. But, but how do I reconcile the way that I was shaped and molded growing up 
to what God says about me and what's really true. Pastor, how, how can I deal with all of that? I got great news for you. The God that breathed into the dust of the earth and created man the first time can take his word and breathe in you and on you and recreate you a second time. I don't read the Bible because it makes me feel good and a chapter a day keeps the devil away. I don't read the Bible because it gives me warm fuzzies, and, and so that's what I'm supposed to do. I read the Bible because this renews my mind. I read the Bible because this is life and truth. I read the Bible because this is God's thoughts about me, because all words on paper are his thoughts that were written down, and this is God's thoughts about me, how he loves me, how he cares for me, and how he's dealt with humanity throughout all history. And the more I read this, and the more I wash my mind with it, People told me when I became a Christian that I got brainwashed. My friends told me that just because I wouldn't smoke weed with them. They told me I got brainwashed. You know what I told them? If you knew what was in my brain, it needed to be washed. And so does yours. So does yours. You do it by the word of God. You do it by becoming alive by the Holy Spirit. And then you do it by allowing your thoughts, okay, your heart's belief, and your words to all come into agreement together. Someone said, you might not be who you think you are, but you certainly are what you think. And let me take it a step further. You're not only what you think, but you're also what you confess that you are. You're also what you confess that you are. The Bible says it like this in Romans 12. Stop imitating the ideas and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly, what's that word? Transformed by who? The Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. How many of you are old enough to remember Play-Doh? This was before Pong, Donkey Kong, Pac-Man. Play-Doh used to entertain kids. Can you imagine that? $2 could entertain you for a week. I was never really artistic type of a guy, but, but when they had those molds in Play-Doh, I did real good. Because all I had to do was take it and push that Play-Doh in the mold. And when I pushed it in the mold, whatever I pushed it into, that's what it became. Do you know what your flesh pattern is? It's the mold you were pressed into by your family of origin all of your life. But you know what can happen? This word can retransform and shape the mold of which you're created in right now. Mark eleven twenty two and 23, Jesus is speaking. And listen to what he says. So Jesus answered and says to them, have faith in, in God. Now remember, that's what he's going to say. Now he's going to tell us the context of how that happens. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he Okay, doesn't doubt in his heart and believes what he, it will be done and he will have whatever he says. Look at me. 
I wish that was just a figurative mountain it was talking about. Because getting rid of the guilt of your past is bigger than any mountain. You can get a jackhammer. You can hire people. You can rearrange stuff. But some of you have things in your life that the enemy has used over and over in your life. There are mountains that tell you that you can never change, that you can never be different. And the Bible says this. If you can get what God's doing in your life and his word, and you can unite this together with your heart and your mouth, then mountains that have never changed of character, of habits, of flesh pattern, that have brought stress and anxiety and fear and panic in your life. They can change, but you must speak God's word to them. How, how does this transformation happen? Let me give you some practical steps as we close. Number one, I must reject what was spoken over me that was wrong. I must reject what was spoken over me that was wrong. Not ignore it. Reject it. The things spoken over your life and my life were either in agreement with what God says about me or in disagreement with what God says about me. I must reject it. Number two, I must replace the lies with the truth from the one who made me and you and knows you and me better than we know ourselves. You know what the tragedy is today why so many people are confused about so many areas of their life? is that instead of the creator defining them, the creation is trying to define itself. They don't even know who they are, what they are, or what they were even born to be. The further you get away from the creator, the more the creation attempts to describe and define itself. I must replace the lies with the truth of God's words. When God encounters the enemy, it's never like a Rocky Balboa type three. And now, Rocky Balboa! That's not it. It's not a fight. All it is is the creator exposing the creation. The truth exposing the lie. Do you know that the only time darkness ever wins is when the light just doesn't show up? Because he's the truth, exposing the lie. I must replace the lies. Third, I must realign my thoughts and my words with God's thoughts and words about me. My mind and my mouth must come into agreement for the mountains that I've been barriers to me, keeping me from my future. I must claim them as God's promise for me. I must confess them. As Peter said, you are the Christ. I know what you are. Then I can possess them. How many of you would like a couple of thousand bucks? No, I'm not Joe Biden. <laughs> How many would like a couple of thousand bucks? Do you know that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that several of you here have thousands of dollars Today, I googled how much money the IRS has in unclaimed tax refunds. There is $1,500,000,000 waiting on people with their names on it that they've yet to claim for themselves. And I thought to myself, 
If that's true about tax refunds, how many promises of identity and truth and healing and peace are in the Word of God that God's children have yet to claim for themselves, even though Christ paid for them on the cross? Realign your thoughts and words with God's thoughts and words. Number four, reinforce yourself with people who remind you of who you are in Christ and not who you used to be. Now, here, here's a really this is a powerful truth. <laughs> How many of you have ever thought growing up, why couldn't I have been born to that family over there in River Ranch? Why couldn't I have ever been? How many have ever wished that you kind of had a different family? I did school assemblies for years, and I would hear parents say to their children, you know, we planned you and you and you, but now you, you were an accident. I always wanted those kids to jump up and say, you know what, so are you. I was supposed to be born to the rich people at River Ranch. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> now, now watch this. I can't choose the family of origin that I came from that was chosen for me. I... In, in my case, there's four generations of adulterers, alcoholics, all of those things. That was the flesh pattern I inherited. But you know what I can choose now? I can't choose how they shaped and molded my life, but I can choose who I choose to surround myself with now. Do, do you know that this is a sad statistic? In treatment, where people spend $1,000 a day, are in jail. Do you know what the recidivity rate is of people that go back to jail or go back to drugs? Does anybody know? I can tell you, we have some experts here. 80%. Why? Do you think they like the drugs? Do you think they like jail? No. Can I tell you why? People, places, and things. They go back to the same people at the same places, and then they're shocked that they start doing the same things. Why do we want you to get in a small group? You get an opportunity to change the people you surround yourself with. You get an opportunity to decide the people who are your new identity, not your old identity of what you used to be. No one is strong enough to overcome the influence of people they constantly choose to surround themselves with. I hear people say foolishly all the time, well, they, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I'm strong. I can walk up in a bar as a former alcoholic, and it won't bother me a bit. You're so deceived. Look at me. You can't even be in a room with somebody that smokes without smelling like smoke. And you didn't even smoke. I couldn't choose where I started, but I can choose where I want to go right now. Today, many of us need to, to repent of some old flesh patterns in our lives truly receive the new identity that we've received in Christ and walk in it. Reserve the place closest to us for people that actually know who we are and the future that God has for us. And then constantly repeat what 
God says about me. Next week is going to be a big week for me. My spiritual father is going to be here. The man that led me to Christ in the Mexican ghetto of Houston when I was 14 years old. He's been a daddy to me since the time I was 14. I've never not done what he told me to do in 14 years. I mean, in 48 years, since I was 14 years old. He's a pastor, he's 80 years old and still travels all over the world preaching. And he called me and he said, Jacob, I just wanna come. I don't need to preach, I just, I just wanna come and see you and be with you. Look right here. The Jacob he knew and the Jacob you know. Many of you know we adopted a little girl from St. Martinville when she was four and a half years old. African-American. When, when we got her, all of our children were Westminster, but we put her at Milton Elementary because she was about a half a year behind. And then we moved over to Westminster the next year. So the first day she got to class, they said, and who is your daddy? What's the name of your daddy? She goes, Pastor Jacob. Because that's all she'd ever known me as is Pastor Jacob. Do, do you know there are identities that each of us have? There are nicknames that some of you have by things that you did when you were growing up. Look right here. What we've endeavored to do in this last six weeks of teaching you the peace of the Spirit, sealed with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and speaking in the Spirit, look right here, is to help you be, if you're a man, look right here, men, a man of God. Pastor Jacob's a preacher and a pastor. That's not who I am. That's what I do. I am a man of God. He has defined me. And I'm reminded when my spiritual father comes next week of the one who knew me when I was 14 years old, hair down to here, living in my mama's bar, serving beer every day when I came home from school. And he would come and pick me up. And you know what he would tell me? Jacob, God's going to use you. Jacob, God's got his hand on your life. And I would say, oh, Pastor Keith, my life's a mess. My family's a mess. And he would begin to speak this over my life until one day I believed this more than I did that. And now when I describe that to you, you can't even believe that was me. The same thing's true with you. Men, look at me, every daddy here. Be a man of God. I don't care if you're a doctor or a painter or a plumber. I don't care what your profession is. Be a man of God. Nothing matters more. Nothing matters more. Ladies, be a woman of God who loves God who knows God and who knows who they are in him more than where they came from. 
that's what matters most. That's what walking and living and being filled with the Holy Spirit will cause you to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and the precious people that are here. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you that they braved the weather to be here today because they love you and treasure your word. I pray that today by your Holy Spirit, that as Pastor Chris and I have endeavored these past six weeks not to tell them something, but to share something with them that is an impartation into their lives. In their lives. Raise up. Not just members of our Savior's church or attendees, but men that are men of God. Women that are women of God. Transform us. Transform us. And now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I've been Christian. I've been baptized. I've joined the church. Hey, that's a great start. But what Jesus said in John 3, 3 is, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Everything I said today applies to those only who've been born again. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer, that he died for your sin so you wouldn't die with your sin. Somebody will die for your sin. Either he did or you will. See, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you if that's you to raise your hand up real high and put it back down. I'm the only one that's looking. One, God brought you here. Every circumstance of your life has led to this moment and God has been relentlessly pursuing you. Two, he loves you. He loves you so much that he's willing to remove the mountain that's always blocked you from coming to him. If you receive him today, today's the day where you can pray to be born again, right in your seat, right where you are and begin your spiritual journey. Three, if that's you, lift it high and put it back down. Lift it up high, put it back down, Pastor. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to ask one last time, last 15 seconds. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I've never prayed to be born again today. I know that's what I need. I want you to raise your hand and wave it at me. If you didn't raise your hand already, and you know that's what you need, wave it. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, 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 I see your hand. Okay. 
Met church, let's pray out loud with all those that raise their hand to be born again today as they begin their spiritual journey. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen.